shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Welcome to episode 23, the number of the greatest basketball player of all times, Michael Jordan. Yeah, we're at episode 23. And no, don't come at me with your LeBron James or Kobe stuff, all right? They deserve their place in Canton. No, not Canton. That's the NFL Hall of Fame. They deserve their place wherever the, the NBA Hall of Fame is. But Jordan's the best. Absolute butter. Come on, people. You can't come at me with that. All right. Enough of that. Uh, welcome to episode 23. I'm just glad you're here. I'm glad that I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I've done 23 of these things. I'm glad that I'm a picture of consistency. I'm glad that my grandchildren, my great grandchildren will be able to look up this podcast and be like, look, grandpa did 23. Whoa, something funky just happened, but I'm not going to edit that out because that's just how it works. Grandpa did 23 of these things in a row. How? How? I know, I know how you, you guys, you guys are the reason why I do this. Uh, I am in my basement, um, barely recovering from the emotional toll that last week's episode took on me. I heard such incredible things from you guys on the podcast episode with my daughter. So, hey, la Teresa with the kid. And uh, yeah, she's a strong one. And she has definitely inspired many of you guys. So just thank you guys so much for, um, you know, loving on her. You guys were leaving comments on my post, which just meant the world to her. So thank you guys. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, but it, it took its toll on me. My, like my mom called me afterwards and she's like, that was after she listened to it. She's like, that was hard to listen to. And it was. It was hard for me to listen to right in front of her. It was really difficult, uh, but I'm proud of her for sharing and really giving a lot of you guys some strength. So, um, again, we go we go very personal 
on this podcast, but I never want to tell a story without it somehow leading you guys towards some semblance of action. Uh, and so hopefully you guys took some of her words and applied them to your lives. Since then, I've been all over. I think since that podcast aired, I flew. Well, I think, yeah, no, my event got canceled. My first event got canceled. Um, so I recorded the podcast here and then I flew to Chicago and did an event in Chicago. And can I tell you that the airport situation and the hotel situation in Chicago, well, first of all, is it Chicago or Chicago? Like, I've said Chicago my whole life, but is it Chicago? I'll be all kinds of people are like, bro, are you saying Chicago like Chicano? It's not Chicago. It's Chicago. And I'm not changing it. So I'm gonna call it Chicago. Take that, Chicago. So let, let me tell you why I'm angry at Chicago. Well, I'm angry at Chicago because here was the plan, right? I was supposed to land in Chicago. <laughs> now, every time I say it, that's very crazy. Land land in Chicago in Chi-Town. Oh, yeah, okay, well, wait a second. If it's Chicago, if it's Chicago, not Chicago, then why isn't it Chi-Town? But people call it Chi-Town. Hmm? Hmm? That's what I thought. Y'all can't keep things consistent. Just like North Texas and Central Texas. All right? Anyway, I digress, as I do every week. So, I, I, I'm i like, I'm excited about, you know, spending the night. I, I had some plans, go to a restaurant, meet up with some people. Uh, but I landed in Ch- Chicago, and I drive to Naperville for my Naperville for my speaking event. Well, and then I start, this is what I do. I like, I land in a city and I just kind of like a hotel tonight or Priceline or just kind of, you know, find a hotel. No, 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 no. The Hampton Inn by the airport was $400. Little did I know that this tiny music festival called Lollapalooza was happening and every single hotel in that city was sold out. So I I woke up at 4.30 a.m. in Nashville, flew to Chicago did my speaking event, got back to the airport and then flew to Charlotte um, and had a great time speaking this weekend. And we did our very first Insta Familia meetup. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. So, so many of the Human Hope listeners of you guys um, showed up and it was fun. So I think I'm going to start doing these things more often, you know, just kind of like dipping my toe in the, let's take this on the road mobile. I don't know what you guys think. Um, that, I mean, that, that kind of stuff is fun to me. I am an introvert, but I like to turn on the extrovert for like two hours at a time. And then I'll just go um, and suck my thumb in the corner of my hotel room. Uh, but but during those two hours, I'm like the happiest man on earth. Um, so anyway, that was that was a blast. Had a good time. And then, I mean, I'm just, this is just the catch. This is the weekend review. Then I preached, had the meetup, came home. And sure enough, Monday morning, was it Monday or Tuesday? Monday, I think we launched the merch store. No, it was Tuesday. We launched the Atlas Wit Insta Familia merch store. And can I tell you something? There is at least 700 human beings that in a few weeks are going to be walking around with Insta Familia plastered across their torsos. And I just want to give you guys a round of applause because 
you you're, you're taking this seriously. What I can't wait is for some of you guys that don't know each other to be like walking around someplace together, both wearing and stuff Amelia shirts, and be like, "Damn, that's that's like what my hopes and dreams are of, of the merch thing is." So anyway, I also realized that I'm. I said it's going to be a 48 hour sale, but the, my podcast listeners that don't follow me on Instagram, because let's be honest, there's a lot of you guys, um, you wouldn't have access to the merch. So I'm going to leave it up a little bit longer. Um, I think I got my, my web guy to move. Um, if you go to instafamilia.com, I think it's forwarded to the merch store. So um, nope, it's not. Actually, it's not. So if you just go to my Instagram uh, profile, sorry for those of you that um, don't follow me. You have to look at my Instagram for a second. I will have the link in my swipe up link. Okay. So just do that. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll put it on my website, but who even knows what websites are anymore? Um, anyway, it's just been a great week. It's I've been so encouraged by everyone buying the merch. Um, and yeah, you know, and the merch... The merch, I'm going to be honest with you guys, the merch ain't for like some, you know, goodwill charity. This is like paying, it's like paying my bills, right? As a solopreneur author that gets paid to speak full-time and as uh, COVID has made speaking not really a thing for a while, it's picking back up, but now it's starting to shut back down. Uh, this merch was just a very kind way of you guys supporting my family and my business. And so I really, really appreciate it. So uh, that was awesome. And now we find ourselves here on Wednesday evening with me wanting to talk about something, like I say every week, that can change your life. Um, it absolutely changed mine when I uh, got this concept down for what it really was and not for what maybe I've been taught in Sunday school. And the word is, that's what we're going to talk about today. This isn't going to be an hour-long episode, okay? Oh, well, at least I say that right now at eight minutes in, but I don't think it's going to be an hour-long episode because this there's a, not a lot of information that's going to take a lot of time to unpack. But the word I want to sit on today is the word forgiveness and what it actually can do for you. The reason why I want to lean into forgiveness is because I spent the day yesterday I got to keep this kind of vague, but at a maximum security federal prison, eight hours, eight hours at a federal maximum security prison. Not only was I with the general population, which I thought that's all I was going to be with yesterday, but I actually was invited by the chaplain. This was a surprise into the maximum security cell blocks, right? So it's already a maximum security prison. But then we went into the maximum security cell blocks. And these cell blocks were, um, I mean, I've never been in one. And I don't even know what the emotion would be uh, that I felt in there. Maybe shock, a little bit of shock, a little bit of fish out of water, a little bit of confusion, a little bit of no way. Like this, this is, this, this is how, this is how we do this. Um. And in these maximum security cell blocks, there were the cells lined across. I mean, it's it's kind of what you see on TV, right? There's like down in the middle of the cell block, there's like a couple of picnic tables on a concrete floor. And then around the bottom floor, there's probably 20 cells with, uh, you know, a little, little latch that they can open after a bunch of chains and locks come undone. 
slide their food in there. Uh, and then there's a little, a little window, no bigger than, I don't know, 12 inches by 12 inches. Like, like, yeah. And that's it. That's, that's it. And these prisoners are in there 23 hours a day. And I was asked by the chaplain to come in and to spit some hope. And friends, uh, the, man, it changed me. Y'all already know that I, I fight. And again, this is, um, to each his own. Everyone's going to come up with their own uh, opinion on this thing. But I fight for the death penalty to be ended. I'm a death penalty abolitionist. And I didn't know this, but I actually walked into, I did know it, I did know it when it happened, uh, the cell block that death row is on. And there's only one person on this death row. And I was able to look this person in the eye and tell them that they are loved and cared for and touch their hand and hand them two chocolate chip cookies because who doesn't need a chocolate chip cookie and how can a chocolate chip cookie not give you a little bit of cheer? But as I touch them and the realization came to me that they're just waiting for somebody to decide when they die, I just got a, a flood and a rush of emotion and it was powerful. I'm, I'm actually wa- I actually want to do um, an entire episode on kind of death penalty, being a death penalty abolitionist. Um, and I've got, I've got, but I want it to be like very focused and very, um, I know the guests that I want. I just don't want to talk about it. I want somebody to come in and talk about it. But let me tell you this. This is what I'm getting to. So many family members of people who have been murdered by people that are on death row say that their freedom does not come when the murderer is executed, right? That, that, I mean, majority of these families say this, but that actually the freedom that they get comes when they forgive the person on death row. Isn't that crazy? Like, there's actually like a science of forgiveness, but, but I want to let you guys know that truly the people that forgive those that have harmed them feel more free than people that have just experienced their execution. Now, I'm not saying that's the case for everybody, but I'm saying that I've heard that from so many families who have been wounded and traumatized and have had loved ones stolen from them from people on death row. And, um, forgiveness. It's just, it's so, so powerful. And, you know, I think inevitably we think, well, when we forgive somebody, that means we're letting them off the hook. And I mean, to be honest with you, sure. Like that, that is something that happens, but what, what really happens is it lets you free. It doesn't let give, give them just them freedom. It gives you freedom. And I, like, I would love to lean into for just a few minutes. Uh, I even write about this in my book, Inner Wild. But like how unforgiveness can actually be a roadblock for us experiencing 
like true freedom, okay? Unforgiveness literally is a roadblock between you and freedom. Like, I'll never forget. <laughs> this is exactly how we are when it comes to forgiveness, right? I'll never forget. Um, I guess Sayana and Sohela, my two daughters, they were like five and uh, four. And Sayana came sprinting into the living room. And I just remember there was like blood involved and Sayana like felt horrible. And, you know, Sohela was screaming. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And so like, I, I made Sayana apologize to Sohela. And she really felt bad. She actually felt bad. And she's like, I'm sorry, Sohela. I didn't mean to hurt you. Will you forgive me? Now, hopefully you guys can forgive me for my five-year-old accent, but that, that's what it sounded like to me. And now, right when Sayana asked Sohela to forgive her, I'm like, this is like bloody Sohela's on the ground, like, rah, like rolling around like, you know, a European soccer player. Like the second she said, will you forgive me? Sohela like hopped up and said, I forgive you. And then took off and started jumping on the trampoline. And Sayana's face kind of like scrunched up her little nose. She still does this. Her little nose like scrunched up. And she was so perplexed. And she literally ran straight up to Sohela and said, never mind, I thought you were more hurt. I take back my sawi. That's what she said. She took back her sorry because she didn't, she thought that Sohela was more hurt. And she saw, oh my gosh, no, I want her to feel the pain, right? Isn't that the case with us? Like our forgiveness is so wrapped up in our own emotions. This is not the kind of forgiveness that's going to give you freedom, okay? So you shouldn't be looking for like forgiveness, forgiving somebody just to make yourself feel better, but literally to give yourself freedom. Sometimes that freedom is going to come with not feeling better. But I promise you, unforgiveness is an actual roadblock to you finding freedom. You know, I talked about um, when everything went south uh, maybe 10 episodes ago. Maybe it was less than that, but with, with my family. It was actually episode 14, how I lost my family, how I got them back and how you can get past your self-destructing behavior. So what I didn't include in that uh, episode was, because that was really focused on my self-destructing behavior, but so many people, they always want to hear from Heather when, um, like how she forgave me, right? Like, how did you forgive your husband for destroying your life? And I can understand why um, people would want to hear from Heather. Like, like Heather's going to give them, like what they want when they ask her that is, you know, tell me how to forgive my husband is, or my spouse, whatever it may be. Um, but it's, it's not, it was a supernatural thing. Like it, it, there, was, there was nothing, like no strength. And it was a long, a long form forgiveness. Um, but it did have a striking point. It did have a spark. It did have the strike of the match. And where her forgiveness began was the night everything fell apart. This is going to blow some of your minds. But this is how Heather was able to work through this. She doesn't ever want to talk about this, but she lets me talk about it. Um, this is what happened. So I get kicked out. Actually, at this point, she this is the, the night that everything fell apart. She um, had me, the kids went with my friends Blake and Allie to where she was. I was in our condo alone. And, you know, having the worst night of my life uh, as well as she was. And the next day, um, my friend Blake came back to help me grab some stuff to move out of the house. 
And he goes, but Heather wants to give you this and wanted me to give you this. And, and he hands me an envelope and inside of this envelope was a letter. And the letter was from Heather to me. And it was probably five pages handwritten front and back. And the letter simply started, dear Carlos, um, I've spent, I mean, at this point, 10, 10 of the best years of my life with you. Uh, you are a great father. You were so much fun. Uh, and I love you. I loved you for all of these things. And this is the last letter you're, I'm ever, you're ever going to read of me telling you how much I love you, but I need, I needed you to know just how much I loved you. And I need you to know that you were all of these great things. It was a love letter. She wrote me a love letter in the darkest moment of her pain. And it went on and on to tell me, listen, the marriage is over, but I just need you to know how loved you are. And I need you to know, I will never say a bad word about you in front of the kids. This will never be. And she just went on and on. And it made me nauseous. Like I went to the bathroom and I vomited. She was forgiving me in that moment. And guess what? She was the one getting free. She was the one getting free. She didn't read that in some books. She didn't listen to that in some podcasts. She just knew in her heart that she, in order for her to be able to function, she was going to have to forgive me. And now, did that ultimately culminate in the restoration of our marriage? Yep. She's upstairs cooking dinner right now. Will it all, will forgiveness always lead to a restoration of things lost? No, but it will lead to restoration of your soul. And that's, that's what needs rescuing. That's what needs restoration. It's, 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 if you have been hurt and you want your soul to be healed, forgiveness is a massive, massive part. It's not the only part, but it's a massive part. Yeah. So she wrote me a love letter and I still have it. And I'll still pull it out every once in a while to remember exactly what it is that forgiveness does. So yes, it does. It does release the uh, the oppressor, but even more so, it releases the oppressed. Um, hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Chester and Betsy Kylstra, they have a book, um, and a big piece of it is on forgiveness. I think it's called healing, uh, Biblical Healing. And they say this, Forgiveness is the principal activity and heart attitude needed to pave the way for freedom. I mean, that's, that's a strong statement, right? Like a really big statement. You see, what happens when we choose to forgive someone is we are actually releasing them into freedom. So Heather was releasing me into freedom. It was actually, I mean, sincerely, she was trying to release me into freedom. Did it help her? Yes. Did, did it allow her to step into freedom? Yes. But she literally was doing it for me, right? Do you see the difference? At that moment, there were no more plans of retaliation 
for me from Heather. There was like no more secretly resenting me from afar. No more waiting for me to like offer some sort of sacrifice in return. No. Like I was begging, groveling for her to come back to me and she was fine. Like my friend Blake actually told me, or it was a couple weeks later and I'm, you know, I'm like begging her for my forgiveness, you know, for forgiveness. And uh, she's like, yeah, that's fine. I forgive you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. But I need like the forgiveness that's going to get you back. She's like, no, like that's not like the point isn't to come back. The point is just to forgive you. And so I remember asking my friend Blake, we go to Subway one night because uh, he had seen Heather and I was like, hey, so how is she? He's like, bro, <laughs> bro. And I was like, what? Quit saying bro like that. Like, what do you mean? Bro. She is so good. I actually have never seen her this good. Like, I've known you guys your whole marriage. I've never seen her this happy. I was like, no, no, I need her to be miserable. But she wasn't. I wounded her, but she still found freedom through forgiveness, through not wanting to retaliate or secretly resenting. No, freedom. Here's here's the dictionary's definition of what it means to forgive to cease to feel resentment against, okay? Now, I actually like the definition of pardon a little bit better. And pardon is defined of as the excusing of an offense without exacting a penalty, right? Like this is like some super divine forgiveness right here. So, so it may be easy for me to be like, yeah, forgive them and you're going to find freedom. But it's not like forgiving them for the sake of you finding freedom because it actually is going to be a sacrifice, like a sacrifice. I know people that have hurt me and I, I'm like, yeah, I forgive you. But man, I would keep just a little bit, a little bit of offense, maybe wanting them to feel a little bit of pain. No, 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 no. Pardon the excusing of an offense without exacting a penalty. That is what we need to do. So let's, for a moment, talk about three types of forgiveness. And I, I honestly, you guys, maybe you could take, maybe you can like take some notes. You can either sit down at your desk, pull out your moleskin and your fancy little pen or Sharpie or pencil, whatever you use. Or you can type this on your phone, but I would like you guys to take some notes because I do believe that if you lean into this type of these three types of forgiveness, especially the last one, you're going to find even more freedom on the back end of it. Okay. So when we don't forgive, and a lot of this is in my book and wild, just so you guys know. Okay. When we do not forgive, I'm, I'm, I'm letting you know that healing it literally can't happen. It cannot happen. If you're trying to heal from some sort of trauma in your life, if you're trying to heal from some sort of, um, of, of anything that somebody has done to you, I'm telling you right now, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you cannot heal unless you forgive them. Forgiveness is the key that opens up healing, okay? This isn't just like some like Bible feel-good truth. Science research actually shows that unforgiveness can prevent us from moving forward and literally, it can have a negative impact on our physical health as well. Like secular psychologists, they tell you that unforgiveness holds our brains and bodies captive, preventing us from actually being the healthiest that we can be. There is a researcher, um, Everett Worthington, that that when I was taught, researching forgiveness for my last book, um, he literally dedicated his entire career 
to the study of forgiveness. This guy is incredible. And he he talks about how like blood pressure, serotonin levels, all of these things are locked into forgiveness or unforgiveness. Stress levels, forgiveness or unforgiveness. All of these things, joy, happiness, locked into forgiveness and unforgiveness. And, you know, he goes into a lot of case studies about forgiveness. Uh, He goes into one case study where there was a man who, when he was 10 years old, was kidnapped. And uh, let's see, he was kidnapped. Um, uh, So horrible stuff happened to him. Horrible stuff. He was left for dead, shot, left for dead, like in a swamp. Well, like he woke up like two hours later, not dead after he'd been shot in the head and ice picked and all kinds of horrible things. He makes his way out to the road and he lives miraculously. They never find the guy. The cops never find him. Like 30 years later, when he's like a 40 something year old man, the cops find the guy, but he's dying. They're like, we, we found the man that did this to you. And this man talks about how free he finally became when, not when the man died, but you know what he did? He went and he looked him straight in the eye. Like the man's on his deathbed, going to die in weeks. And he said, I forgive you. And then here's, here's the key. This is like, there's always right that extra, like the extra 10%. Then this man took care of the man that tried to murder him when he was 10 for his dying weeks, took care of him, fed him, bathed him, did all these things, took care of him all the way from life to death. And the freedom he talks about is mind-blowing that he was able to get. Had he never done that, he says he would never found that freedom. So if you don't forgive, you're not going to be able to find freedom. We, we get that. We hear that. So let's really quickly lean into the first two types of forgiveness. And then I want to really sit on the third type of forgiveness, which I think may just be for many of you listening to this podcast right now, exactly the forgiveness you need to find the freedom you've been looking for. Okay, the first type of forgiveness, this is the forgiveness of others, right? Like this is the one we all talk about. You need to forgive your friend. You need to forgive your spouse. You need to forgive your brother. You need to forgive whatever, whatever it may be, okay? Um, You and me, both of us right now, like we have some sort of forgiveness that we have yet to give somebody else, okay? Not 90, we, we're not supposed to get 99% there, but 100% there. That, that's, that's the easy type. That's the one that we always talk about. Now, I do understand that like way too often, most of us can't seem to get to the place where we feel like we can forgive somebody. And so that becomes a roadblock, right? Like I, I actually, there's somebody right now that did something to me yesterday that I heard through somebody else, right? So we're already like on third, third version of the story, but still I, I am mind blown that they would say this about about me. Okay. So I, I've got some forgiveness to give, not 99%, but I need to get to hundred percent and I don't feel like I can forgive them. And so that's my roadblock. Now the pain may feel too great and I may not be able to fathom forgiving the person, but here's the good news. You ready? Forgiveness is not a feeling. Let's say it together. Human hope familia. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It is a decision. Okay? It's a decision to set someone free from the expectation of our punishment. Ooh, Lord have mercy. You don't have to feel it. Just literally open your hands and make a decision to forgive. So since forgiveness isn't a feeling, you got to know that it won't immediately lead you 
to feeling good. Okay, if it's not a feeling, then you may not feel good, but it's a decision. So those, those feelings may not arrive the second you do it. But when you make that decision, I promise you, you are on your path towards freedom. So that's the first type of forgiveness. The second type of forgiveness, quite simply, if you, if, if you have a faith like I do in Jesus, quite simply, is the forgiveness of God towards us for our transgressions. That's what the entire gospel is built upon. That's that second type of forgiveness. This is the one that the church talks about all the time when we seek our forgiveness from God himself, right? God forgives our sins if we simply ask him to. So although I appreciate the way my second grade Sunday school teacher explained it to me, I think sometimes we confuse asking God for forgiveness with what truly needs to happen, which is truly repentance. This is where, this is what I love about um, science and scripture is that, you know, so many, there's like the scientific community and the biblical community. And sometimes I think they feel like they're like at odds, but actually I don't find that. Actually, I find a lot of times what we're starting to find out in the scientific, scientific community is yes, when there's actual true repentance, right? That means turning from, turning your back towards whatever it was you were doing, that that leads to freedom. And so you find secular psychologists that are actually saying this stuff as well. And they're just, they're coming together. It ain't me. It ain't me. I'm just telling you, this is what's happening. Science and scripture are coming together. And I think it's a beautiful thing. That's the second type of forgiveness. Forgiveness, asking God for forgiveness and truly repenting and turning your back towards the, the thing that you were doing that you've asked forgiveness for. Okay. So first type of forgiveness is forgiveness of others. Second type of forgiveness is forgiveness from God. And then here's, here's the third one. And, and here's the one where I'm going to lose a lot of you guys, right? So I'm, I'm going to ask you, hang on, hang on with everything inside of you and do not turn this podcast off when I tell you what this third type of forgiveness is that I honestly believe is going to be the key, the key towards your rapid acceleration towards healing. And what is that type of forgiveness? Well, Recap. First two areas of forgiveness are the ones that we hear about all the time. And it's most often not forgiving others and not seeking God's forgiveness that keeps us from freedom. But it's this last one. And that is forgiving self. Woo. That's you forgiving you. That's you forgiving you. So if you've forgiven others, if you've asked God for forgiveness, but you still don't feel free, I promise you, you need to pursue this last type of forgiveness, forgiving yourself. Now, a lot of people aren't going to go here because they aren't taught how effective it actually is. I'm telling you, when I ruined my life and made decisions that destroyed my family and then rebuilt my life back up together and you know, went to therapy, went to counseling, did all the things, Heather forgave me. I asked her to forgive me. I asked my kids to forgive me. I felt better. I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay until I'm not okay. And then I'm like, what the heck? I, everyone's forgiven me. I've forgiven everybody else. What's happening? Ah, there's one more. Forgiving myself. I didn't realize that I had not forgiven my own self for the damage 
that my own self had caused. Ooh, but we're about to get, I'm telling you, we're, it's about to get crazy up in here because I, did, I need you to stick with me, okay? Now, all of this actually, you know what? I may just read a couple pages because, no, 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 I ain't gonna read it. I'm just gonna tell you. No, I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna read a couple pages from my book, Enter Wild, where I step into self-forgiveness um, of myself that ruined my life, that strayed from my marriage, that ruined my family, my career, my friendships, all those things. I had such bitterness towards that version of me, okay? I, I actually would say things like, I hate that part of me. I would say that. Like, oh, yeah, 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 no, no. I, like, like 2009, Carlos, I hate that guy. I would say that. I would say that to, to everybody because it felt like the right thing to do, right? It feels like, oh, the bad part of you, you hate that part of you. That, that's the part you're supposed to hate. But little did I know that actually, you know what? I'm not going to read this. I'm just going to tell you because this is feeling better to just tell, it, to just tell you. Okay, listen. So as I was working with my um, inner healing specialist, prayer warrior guru named John who lives here in Nashville, who kind of led me to this place of, of forgiving self. I walk into his study to do my, my, it's, it's really like experiential therapy. And he's like, okay, Carlos, we're going to do some work here. So, um, I want you, because he knew that I would say things like, I hate that version of myself. I hate that version of myself. And because see that version of me, that was like, like woo, living on woo, living on charisma. Like, like I literally did hate that version of myself because he was just doing that for attention. And then he would, he ruined his life for attention. It was horrible. And, so, and I really hated that version of me. And he knew that. And so, you know what I did because I hated that version of me with all the charisma and the woo, I smashed that part of me. And so suddenly, like, I didn't want to go to parties anymore. I didn't want to tell a joke. I didn't want, because I didn't want anyone to think I was still like that guy. Remember, listen, how I'm talking, right? That guy, I'm pointing my finger at him. Okay. So John's like, hey, can, can we, can we go back to like the darkest, darkest part of that guy that you hate? I'm like, man, I don't want to think about that guy. I can't stand that guy. No, no, no. He's like, no, no, let's do it. So I close my eyes and immediately we pray for a second and I'm drawn back to one of the darkest, darkest times in my life when I was like in the middle of this artificially intimate relationship with a woman that wasn't in my marriage. And it was like, I'm, I'm just remembering, it's like 2009, I'm like on my sofa, on, the, on my laptop and I'm facing the hallway. Um, my kids are in the room asleep. It's like two in the morning um, and I'm having these secret conversations. And I am literally nauseous in John's study thinking about this guy. I'm like, I don't want to think about it. He's like, no, 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 go there, go there, go there. So now I'm there. And, and he's like, I want you, I, I actually want you to talk to that guy. And now I'm like, okay, bro, this is weird. Like you're telling me to talk to me, but you're talking to me now to talk to me then. He's like, yes. He's like, do you mind if that guy sits? If do you actually, he said, would you mind closing your laptop? Now he's talking to me, telling the me that's in my mind that I'm remembering to shut my laptop so I can talk to me that's in the present. You see how weird this gets? But I'm so grateful for artists like John because that's what therapists and prayer warriors like this are. They're artists. He's like, "Will you? Can you ha bring him to sit in this chair?" So I sit in this chair, or I have him sit in the chair in front of me, 
again, not really because it's me, but whatever. And he's like, I want, I want you to talk to him. And listen, I knew where this little charade was going. Okay. I've been to onsite. I've been to experiential therapy. He wants me to look at me in the chair cross. And he wants me to forgive the me that uh, had the affair. He wanted me to forgive the me uh, that ruined my life and yada, yada. I'm, I'm like ready. So I'm like, all right, now I know what you're doing. Okay. I got it. So before I started on my little dialogue going like, Hey, Hey, idiot Carlos, who like did this 11 years ago, I forgive you. Before I went there, <laughs> he, he, I'll never forget it. <laughs> and this is the part, this is the part that some of you guys need to hear. He said, Carlos, I, this is my John voice. I would like you to ask the part of you that had the affair for your forgiveness. Okay. Insert break sounds. Wait a second. I think he's confusing the versions of me, right? Why would present day Carlos, who hates that guy, need to apologize to Carlos who had the affair, right? Like, like why? I, I didn't do nothing. That's the Carlos that did something to me. So I remember replying to John. I was like, no, no, I, I didn't do anything. Why, why am I asking him for my forgiveness? He goes, oh, but Carlos, you have. Right. I sound just like John. Okay. So I, guys, I know this can get confusing. Please hang on with me for a second. Listen, he said, you have been judging, demeaning, accusing, pitying, and rejecting this part of you for far too long. Like he's like, you've shamed yourself and you need to forgive yourself for that shame. Man, he was right. Like I, I I've been living a decade of my life pointing my finger going like, I hate you. I can't stand you. But little did I know that that part of me was still a part of me, right? That part of me was only protecting me from pain. That's why he was less medicating. And that part of me needed my, excuse me, that part of me needed to forgive this part of me. Oh man, this is getting weird. But this is what I said. So I closed my eyes. I literally closed my eyes and I imagined myself in that condo sitting across from condo me with my laptop and I just went in and I will read this part because I want, I want you to get the words. I literally said to me, I'm so scared of you. I'm so scared to let you back into being a part of me. I'm so scared to let you back in my heart, but I know that there's a part of my heart that is empty because I've been shunning you. You destroyed my family. You destroyed my life. You destroyed the trust of my daughters. You did so much harm to me. Now, at this point, I was actually screaming, okay? But I kept going. But I also know that you didn't know how to handle this. I just kept talking to myself and I started screaming at myself. It was like tears on tears and snot and snot. And so I, I literally said, and Carlos, who had the affair I want to ask you if you will forgive me for shaming you all these years. And also, I forgive you for what you did to present day me. And then John chimed in, Carlos, repeat this prayer after me. Now, I'm going I'm to read a prayer uh, in a second that you feel free to use this with yourself. And also know that this was, I'm giving you the culmination of weeks of work, okay? Um, but, but why I'm giving you this story is because I need you to see that there are parts of you 
that you may hate, that you may be shaming, that you may be, and, and these are parts of you that actually God created, right? The parts of you that, that you hate because they, they did something wrong. I need you to know that they were just medicating. They were, they were just, that part of you was simply trying to cope with trauma, but God made that part of you. Okay, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. You still with me? You still with me, Human Hope fam? I hope so, because some of y'all are about to get free. This was the prayer. Father, because you've forgiven me, I choose to forgive myself and to release myself from all judgments, accusations, hatred, slander, mistakes, stupidity, and falling short of the mark. I choose to accept myself as I am because you chose me as I am. I choose to love myself again as you love me. I even expect to like myself again. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now, it wasn't magic, but I promise you this. The second I said amen, I felt something lift. I felt a peace and I opened my eyes and I smiled so big at John. And this is how I know it worked. This is how I know. Because the part of me that I was hating on for all these years, right? I can't stand that version of me. That part of me was actually like the life of the party. He, he was like so fun to be around. He was, that, that was a part of me that God created. Like he created the life of the party of me. Yes, I used that to manipulate things and I used it for darkness, but, but God created that part of me, the life of the party guy, the guy that was having fun. Guess what? In the years since then, I, I, like, I didn't want to go to parties anymore. I didn't want to tell jokes. I didn't want to be the life of the party anymore. Why? Because it reminded me of that guy. But this is how I know it worked. Because after I prayed that prayer, my family began to tell me like, wow, like you're having to, you're, you're, you want to stay last at the party. Heather's like, you're having so much more fun. And the part of me that I was shaming came back into wholeness with me. I put my heart back together. There was a piece missing that I was shaming and I became whole again. Guys, I know that was a lot of me, you, me, me, sitting past me, present me, angry at me, but not really, forgive me. I know it was a lot. (laughs) But what I'm telling you is that there is a piece of forgiveness that you need to use to ask your own self to forgive you for judging it. And that may just be that third piece of forgiveness that accelerates you towards healing. Okay. You guys, if you want to pick up my book, Enter Wild, I go into, I mean, there's like six chapters on my conversations with John and how impactful it was for me to find freedom. Um, There were all sorts of like physical manifestations of anxiety that were happening because of unforgiveness. And I, I just, like, I, I, want it, I want it to be a challenge. Like, if you've tried everything, if you've tried therapy, if you've tried medicine, if you've tried diet, if you've tried exercise, if you've tried all the things to help you finally be free again, but you can't quite get there, maybe, just maybe, the reason why is because there's unforgiveness in your life of yourself. Just maybe. Friends, 
Hopefully that gives you a little bit of hope today. Hopefully you know that the part of you that maybe has been shut down can be resurrected back to life. I believe it can happen. And uh, just so you guys know, the, the version of therapy that I was doing with John is actually called Heart Sync. S-Y-N-C, Heart Sync. There's also another version of this called Restoring the Foundations, if you guys want to Google that as well. Uh, but there's practitioners of this stuff all over the place. The reason why I like Heart Sync is because it takes our wounded and broken hearts and it actually combines um, like psychology, like medicine, like brain, you know, uh, physiology. Is brain physiology? I mean, I don't know, like scientific stuff. And it combines it with like Bible stuff. That's what I love. Like, I love watching like Bibles and, you know, smart guys that, that have doctorates in like brain stuff get together. <laughs> Brains and Bibles. <laughs> I'm going to start that podcast. Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. And it, it really did bring me so much freedom. So HeartSync is the uh, modality that I used uh, to sync my heart back together and to put that piece that I had been shaming for so long back into it. Speaking of back into it, ain't nothing to it but to do it now. Here we go. Okay, I just I, I always feel like a rapper when that starts and I just want to do that. Guys, listen, uh, if you would do me a favor, please head to Apple Podcasts, click follow and leave a five-star rating if you love the show. And if you don't love the show, please leave a five-star rating as well. Your reviews and ratings really get the show up to where other people can find the show. It's really, really important. If you're on Spotify, please subscribe to the show. We're on all the platforms. We're on Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the podcasts. Wherever you find a podcast, you can listen to it. And I just want to say thank you so much for subscribing. It really helps the show. Guys, next week, the conversation, it's already in the can. All right. That's how much I've been looking forward to this conversation. I recorded it already and you guys aren't even ready. Like you ain't ready. All right. So thanks for hanging out with me this week on the Human Hope Podcast. And we'll see you next Thursday here on Human Hope.